HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Cutting the Curd, hosted by Ann Saxelby. You're listening to Cutting the Curd, hosted by Ann Saxelby. You're listening to Cutting the Curd, hosted by Ann Saxelby, broadcast live to the Cosmos on the Heritage Radio Network. Happy Sunday and welcome to another episode of Cutting the Curd on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Ann Saxelby, and our show today is being produced by Jack Inslee and engineered by Dan Brindell. Today's show is sponsored by Acme Smoked Fish. Located in Greenpoint, Brooklyn, Acme has been a mainstay in New York's culinary landscape for over 55 years. Using old-world recipes, Acme produces the finest smoked salmon, whitefish, and sable that discerning palates demand. For information on where to find Acme, Blue Hill Bay, or Ruby Bay products, visit acmesmokedfish.com. Um... So today's show is the beginning of a a series of new shows that I want to start on Cutting the Curd uh, called The State of Cheese. And uh, we're going to start our State of Cheese series with California. Who knows? Maybe we'll start with the West Coast and and move on. But um, the State of Cheese is a thing that I dreamt up to talk about what's going on in dairy in different states across the U.S. And it's going to take a while, but uh, we're going to go state by state interviewing people involved in the cheese industry to see what's going on in their neck of the woods. So today we're lucky to have uh, Peg Smith of Cowgirl Creamery and Tamales Bay Foods here with us to discuss the state of cheese in California. Uh, Thanks for being on the show, Peg. Oh, it's my pleasure. (laughs) Um. So maybe maybe we can start off by uh, just talking a little bit about uh, what you do and how you got involved with cheese. Well, um, uh, we make cheese, and uh, we don't have any any cows. We make cow's milk cheese, and um, we're a small producer in um, Northern California. We we make cheese in Marin County and, and we also have a small production facility in Sonoma County. And both those counties are um, a little bit north of San Francisco. And um, we are we are so happy to be in that in that area um, and working with the dairies that we work with. And my business partner and I both came into cheese making from um, 
a cooking background, and we felt it was kind of a natural extension of of what we were doing just to specialize on one really great ingredient and um, try and produce something that was respectable. <laughs> well, res- respectable is an understatement. Um, now, your cheese line, you you guys do, Cowgirl Creamery produces Red Hawk, which is, is that the most well-known cheese, do you think, of your line? Um, I think it's, you know, since it's, it's a little bit unusual because it, um, because it is um, smelly, and people really remember smelly things. And so I think it probably <laughs> is the most um, well-known, yeah. Um, but so what are some of the other cheeses that you guys produce? Well, we make fresh cheese, and that's actually how we started. By um, we, The idea that we had was that we wanted to take some really great milk that was um, being produced in West, in uh, West Marin by a fellow named Albert Strauss and his family, and he has Strauss Family Creamery, and it was the first organic dairy west of the Mississippi. And um, the milk was so delicious that we wanted to just highlight that flavor. And so we started out by making um, clabbered cottage cheese and fromage blanc, we made cork, and um, we also made creme. We we still do. We make creme fraiche. So we really started by just making fresh cheese in sort of a European tradition. But the, the cottage then, cheese, if I if I can interrupt for two quick seconds, sure. um, it's hard to find good cottage cheese in the world. And your cottage cheese that I had at your shop in D.C. is uh-huh. the best, hands down, cottage cheese that I've ever had. It is so delicious. Oh, thanks. Um, you know, it's a it's an act of love in reality because it is um, it does take a long time to make. You have to stir the curds for for at least forty minutes while they're cooling down. And um, I think most people don't they don't want to um, spend that much time with just that simple process of stirring the curds. And so that is Sue's favorite cheese, actually of. Sue's my business partner. Sue, and Sue Connolly, right? Is, yeah, Sue Connolly, and, and that's her favorite cheese of all the cheeses we make is the cottage cheese. Can you, can you, would you mind just telling us real quick um, what the process is for making cottage cheese? Because people actually ask me that all the time, and I, and I don't have a good answer for them. Yeah, well, um, I can tell you the process. You, the, the way we do it is um, we... Well, first of all, we separate the milk because it's a a non-fat cheese initially. And um, you separate the milk, and then uh, you heat it to to it's 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 just a little bit. Well, excuse me, you have to we then pasteurize it. Okay. And and then so you have the warm milk, and you add the cultures, and you let the cultures set for a bit so that those cultures, which are the bacterias and enzymes that um, are naturally naturally found in milk, but with different proportions to add different flavors. Uh, You add the culture, and you let those cultures really, the flavors really seep into the milk. And then you add the rennet, and the rennet is the coagulant that um, pulls the proteins together. And so that sets it up. 
And this is, at this point, it's not Kurds in way yet. Um, then we have these, these uh, we call them cheese harps, that are a set of vertical and horizontally lined um, pat- paddles that have almost like uh, piano strings that run down them. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the paddles are about two, two feet long and about one foot wide. And you have uh, these strings that go through them. So you have a vertical and a horizontal ones. And at the proper pH setting, you run the paddles into that um, mass that's almost like a flan or a custard. And you cut it, and that's when you're cutting the curds. Um, and so you want to cut it to a pretty exact size. Okay. So the curds are cut, and then after they're cut, you let it set for a minute, like slowly, slowly stirring. And as as you're stirring, a lot of whey is expelled from the curds. So all of a sudden, you have these little white dots that are floating around in uh, a mass of, of whey. Mm-hmm. You pull some of the whey off, and, and when we make this batch, we make it in 150-gallon um, batches. So you pull some of the whey off, and then what you need to do, or what we do, is we, we wash those curds with water that's a little bit warm so it sets the curd. You know, it kind so of it firm, tightens it. it firms up a little bit. Yeah, it firms it up. And you wash them, and then as you, you, then you start um, stirring it for about 40 minutes. And that way the curds don't stick together. They have their, you know, each little curd has its own integrity. Mm-hmm. And um, still more whey is being expelled from those curds as you're, as you're stirring. So then you, uh, at the point when they're done, you separate the curds from the whey totally. We um, use little baskets to, to pull the curds out. Mm-hmm. And um, then what we do is we dress the curds in the clabbered cream, which is, um, it's a cultured cream. And clabbered's just an old-fashioned word for cultured and, um, the, the British, or is that a British word, or is that an American word? Clabbered. I wonder. I, I think it's British. It sounds I British. It, they have such a nice yeah. way of saying everything. I know it, it's a it's a good it's a good term. Um, so then you you also add the final ingredient to cheese making, which is salt. So you start out with milk. You have cultures. You have uh, the coagulant, and then you add the salt. And so we salt it, and we also add the clabbered cream, and, and then it's ready to go. Oh, my gosh. Well, I, I really think, I mean, cottage cheese is something I feel like that you can't really find much good stuff out in the market. And uh, right. when I had your cottage cheese in, in D.C., it was like a revelation. It was so tasty. Yeah, I think it's pretty good, too. I agree. <laughs> and, it's a nice, and it's a nice way to use because you're skimming the milk to make the curds, and then, you have a, you know, then you're putting the cream back into it. So it's kind of a perfect, right. uh, per- perfect product that way. But it's a, you don't really, it's still a non-fat product. You don't really add very much. Um, no, it's not. It's reduced fat, I should say. Reduced fat product because you don't add that much cream. You just want it to um, hold the curds together. 
mostly in the marketplace what you find are um, stabilizers that are added to the curds to bind them together mm-hmm. and um, it's not as tasty no not not nearly no. not nearly um, okay yeah. but well thank you for indulging me in that um, in that uh, tangent but so you're saying you started yeah. with fresh cheeses um, yes and then well and and you have to remember that the whole idea uh, behind us making cheese was really uh, to promote this great dairy region that that we live in, and uh, and and in a and in a lot of ways, the milk from Strauss Family Creamery. So we thought, well, let's let's make an aged cheese, but one we wanted to make one that was really um, accessible to people, that wasn't um, intimidating and in people wanting to try it and also that was really just a reflection of the milk and how the flavors change seasonally um, because the you know working with um, a milk from a single dairy which uh, Albert has milks about um, 200 cows okay so so the milk isn't blended you know the milk that we all or most of us get from the market is a milk that tastes the exact same every single day and that's intentional so that people won't be fearful of what they're drinking or suspicious I should say Um, but the milk flavors really change every single day and it depends on the weather what the cows are eating um, whether it's sunny whether it's foggy whether it's freezing cold you know they're where they are in their lactation cycle yeah exactly there's so many so many um factors in it so we wanted to make a cheese that reflected that um but that was was easy for people to eat so we we made a we decided that we'd make a triple creme um that was a bloomy mold like one that you get on a, a, a rind that you could find on a camembert or brie, um, but had a little bit of um, sturdy. It was a little bit sturdy in its um, through its life, mm-hmm. and that's when we made Mount Tam. <laughs> so Mount Tam was the first, and then, and then sort of. So was that, uh, and then the Mount Tam kind of uh, gave birth to all the other cheeses that you guys co- ended up doing. Because I know then you also do some seasonal versions of Mount Tam, right? Or in um, a similar well, we f- a format. Uh, yeah, it's a little bit different. Um, Mount the the one that you mentioned before, Red Hawk, was actually um, an accidental cheese that happened from Mount Tam. The best cheeses are accidental cheeses. I've heard so <laughs> many of those stories over the years, and they're always the tastiest. They, you know, I know it's re- it's funny, isn't it? But you know, Mother Nature really does have a lot to say about what we produce, and. Um, we were making some Red Hawks, and um, I mean, we were making Mount Tams, and and uh, Kate Arding, uh, who who's with Culture Magazine now, was working with us, and um, we had some Stilton that she was she had put in the same aging room as the, um, or maybe it wasn't Stilton, but it was a cheese that actually attracted um, mites, uh-huh. and so. Some cheese mites jumped on a couple of the Mount Tams, and Sue didn't want to um, 
didn't want to lose those cheeses, so she thought she'd wash them and then re-inoculate them with the candida mold. And in the course of washing them and setting them aside in their own little environment, they attracted the bee linens um, that are prevalent out in Point Reyes, and the cheese became a washed drying cheese because she had washed the cheese, and then these bee linens had, 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 um, were attracted to the rind, and it created a whole different cheese. Isn't that and funny? So what started yeah. as a disaster, you know, mites on your on your bloomy rind cheese, you're probably freaking out, all of a sudden becomes the yes. most delicious thing ever. Well, that's what... Um, we, you know, Sue pulled it out of the aging room one day, and she said, well, let's just see what this tastes like. And so um, Kate and Sue and I tasted it, and we all looked at each other with eyes that were wide, and we all had smiles on, smiles on our face. So we thought, hmm, this is pretty good. Maybe we can, we can uh, try and do this again. <laughs> so oh. uh, I know it was good. That was a good thing. Well, I was, um, unfortunately, we have to take just a really quick break um, right now. But when we come back, I would love to talk to you more about uh, Red Hawk and the evolution of your other cheeses. And uh, and then also what's going on in the state of California. We'll be back on Cutting the Curd in just a second. Welcome back to Cutting the Curd on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Ann Saxelby, and my guest today is Peg Smith of Cowgirl Creamery and Tamales Bay Foods. Um, and when we last uh, left off, we were talking about Red Hawk, which is a delicious, stinky, and it turns out accidental cheese that <laughs> has has made its impression on the hearts and, and bellies of many across the country. <laughs> um, well, so I... I would love to chat with you a little bit more about um, the Strauss family, um, because in doing some research about the state of California and the, the history of the state and the dairy history of the state, it turns out that um, the Marin County area and the Tamales Bay area was always kind of the dairy center of the state. And um, and it really makes sense because the climate is so uh you know much more friendly to to dairy and to grass and to you know and to cows and their temperaments and they're not liking it to be too hot and all those kinds of things um so this was the strauss family dairy uh an old business or was it a relatively new business when you guys started working with them 
Well, it, it was an old dairy that, um, well, relatively old. It was started by Albert's dad, um, Bill Strauss, in 1937. And um, Bill had emigrated from Germany. And um, he wanted to start a dairy, and he, he got some land in California. And um, after a short while, which was an interesting courtship process, he, he met Ellen, and Ellen, who was also an immigrant from Amsterdam, um, they, they married and um, were farmers out in the Point Reyes region for, gosh, you know their farm, their dairy's still going. Neither Ellen nor Bill are still alive, but um, Albert has the dairy now. And um, in nineteen, I believe it was nineteen ninety-two or so, Albert uh, transitioned the dairy from conventional to organic. And um, it, it, it surprisingly, like I, as I said, it was the first organic dairy west of the Mississippi. Which is crazy, you know. All the dairies, I'd say, were were organic until probably the late '40s and early '50s. Huh. And it's um, it is an interesting dairy region. Now, can you explain to our listeners um, why why you say that? Why the dairies were organic until the late '40s, and then what what changed? Well, what changed was the war, and um, as World War II, I should say. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> um, the, and during that time, there were lots of... Um, we, we were producing milk for, the, um, for the, the United States. A lot of milk came from California. It still does. Yeah, um, you guys are the number one dairy state now. Yeah. Well, it's a pretty big state. And um, I, I don't want to get sidetracked, but right now, I mean, a lot of the dairying that's done is is done by huge, huge dairies, and um, right. um, there are there is also a good co-op system that works within within California, where there are small dairies that pull their milk and then it goes to a larger location. Um, but in it, what happened was we needed to produce more food for the country because there was a huge population growth. And so a lot of the dairy farmers um, transitioned their dairies from Jersey cows, which are rich milk-producing cows, but not a large volume, to Holstein cows, which are kind of, um, you know, milk tanks. They produce probably a third more milk than the Jerseys. So most most dairy people transition their um, their farms to to Holstein cows, and they were producing more milk and and cheese and butter, and it was to help provide food for um, a growing nation. And in doing so, um, what what happened was um, ways were developed to uh, grow food faster using. Um, Pesticides and things and um, antibiotics were being given a little more freely to prevent disease so that full herds wouldn't be sickened and um, rapidly. And so a lot of people transitioned to a more scientific way of, of producing. Yeah. And um, Albert decided that he would transition to organic um, 
in, with beliefs that maybe a lot of this scientific um, production wasn't as healthy as organic. Which was very forward-thinking because, um, you know, in, conven- in conventional dairy, it's a kind of a, I don't know, it seems like it's kind of a brotherhood, you know, and, and your neighbors, yeah. there's kind of a, everyone exchanges information and, and talks to each other about how they farm. And I know that a lot of the early converts to organic caught a lot of flack from their neighbors um, and, and, you yeah. know, and uh, other dairymen the, well, for doing that. The, well, yeah, people, um, you know, people are suspicious when you change the way, uh, the way of the norm, and it's, it's kind of human nature. And I know that, um, that right now, you know, it's been a very positive thing because a lot of the dairies have transitioned to organic. You can get a, a better price for your milk. You know, milk prices really haven't changed because they're controlled and milk prices really haven't changed in the last 30 years isn't that amazing you think about what a gallon of of you know gasoline cost in the 70s versus now and to think that milk hasn't changed at all it's it's pretty unrealistic it's yeah how can you have a business model that operates with the end product not um not keeping steady with inflation or just with prices cost in general. Business, yeah, yeah. So it was. It took a. It took a while for um, the other dairy people out there in in Marin to catch on, but a lot of them are organic now, and um, and really are 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 practicing really good habits. I'd say. So who else um, can we talk about in Marin County um, that is sort of practicing this kind of responsible dairying, um, be it other uh, dairies or cheesemakers? Um, it seems like there's a lot going on in that region. There is a lot going on. I mean, the Giacomini family that makes Point Ray's original blue, and, and now I know they have a new cheese called Toma, they're they're big leaders in the dairy um, community out there, and and they're transitioning some of their herd to organic, and they're really um, they're they're farmstead cheesemakers, which is is great because it's promoting the value added product to uh, being a dairy farm, and and that's that's really helped a lot of the farmers out there. There are more and more that are coming on to cheese making and doing specialty butters and, and things like that, which is, is really a, a boost to the dairy industry in, in uh, West Marin and Sonoma. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, as I was mentioning before, I was looking at actually that um, Real California Milk website the other day, uh-huh. just looking yes. up, you know, some dairy trivia, and um, yeah. and I was giggling because it said, you know, uh, the first cows were actually brought to California, according to them, by um, uh, this man, uh, Junipero Serra, uh, who established a lot of the missions along the coast, Um and he, you know, and those cows were used uh, for milk production and cheese production. But by 1866, Point Reyes was really the the, the dairy center of um, of California, and then also um, that was the birthplace of Monterey Jack, which I did not know about. I had never put the two things together. Um, yeah. And well, uh, oh, so uh, go ahead. 
Well, um, Monter- actually, that dairy was down in Monterey, um, which is a little which bit is south a little of further Point south. Ray. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Um, but that but, whole sort of coastal coastal area being an important dairy area. Yeah, it's it really the the area really it looks a lot like Ireland. I don't know if you've been to Ireland or not, but we our ambient temperature in Point Reyes is about sixty five degrees, and um, we don't. It's kind of, it's sort of like that Mark Twain quote: "The coldest." winter I ever spent was a summer in San Francisco. <laughs> it's so true. That, <laughs> that really holds true to Point Reyes because it's usually a little bit foggy and it's it's right on um, it's right on a bay. It's a peninsula and, and so we have lots of sea breeze and um, it keeps it humid. Well, not humid. It keeps it damp and cool. It's actually right where uh, Sir Francis Drake there's Sir Francis Drake Bay is right there, and that's where his ship anchored down. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah, that's absolutely crazy. And cows, of course, too, love that weather. They, they don't oh, yeah, like they it too it. hot or too dry, so that is, like, the, yeah. the perfect place. Yeah. Um, well, I, um, I have actually somebody who just came into the studio that wants to say hello as well. Well, Peg, okay. this is uh, Patrick from, uh, from oh, New York. Oh, Patrick. And yes, I just wanted how are you to. Doing? I'm saying this as a thing. I'm great, thank you. Um, I just want to say this like an honest fan. I just want to say that I admire tremendously about the cowgirls. Two things in particular. One is um, how you brought like artisanal farm culture and cheese culture to the footsteps of the White House. I think that uh-huh. location there is so subversive and awesome. And <laughs> there isn't a, a senator or a House of Representative that doesn't walk by that place and you know I, buy there or well, think they was, should. Yeah, that was the idea. We we're hoping that people would come in and look at what small producers are doing today in the United States. And the other thing is not to date you, but you know the longevity with which you've been preeminent in your field is certainly something to aspire to for someone who's been in business just for like seven years now. It's uh, something to look up to. So congratulations on that. And that's, that's all I have to say. Aww. Oh, thanks, Patrick. I appreciate all you do as well. And how about Anne? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Well, same. Yeah, I'm on the admirer. I'm in the fan club. I'm in the the cowgirl fan club. I think you guys are incredible and, yeah, have really, uh, I don't know, paved the way for for so many great, great cheeses to get to market. And also, um, you know, from... From working with the dairy farms on up, it's just uh, it's inspiration for for everybody to kind of change the way that they do business and realize that there's a lot more that they can that they can get out of it. Well, what I meant, Anne, was how about what you've done? Not, <laughs> not what I, uh, in in your that beautiful shop that you have. I mean, I think that that I remember going to visit your shop, and I I think it was soon after you opened. Very soon after, and, I think that was like I couldn't believe that that you guys came. I was like completely starstruck. <laughs> well, I I think you know that is exactly. That's exactly what we need is uh, the representation of what we're doing in the different regions and and showcasing, you know, all these hardworking people and presenting them in a format that it's almost like a little jewel box 
where you're going into a jewelry store to see those beautiful cheeses that people are are producing, and um, it's really something to be applauded. Oh, oh, well, thank you so much. Well, since since I don't have access to a lot of the cheeses that come from your neck of the woods, could you uh, give us a rundown of a couple more of your favorites that come from uh, California? Oh, sure. Um, well, I already mentioned uh, the Giacomini's and, and their uh, Point Reyes and their new cheese. Um, of course, you know, we have the beautiful Humboldt Fog from Cypress Grove, and we have Jennifer Bice, who's... Um, with Redwood Hill, who makes delicious goat milk um, cheeses, and Cindy Callahan and Liam of Bellwether Farms, first dairy, um, the first sheep's dairy west of the Mississippi. We have lots of newcomers like um, Marcia Baranaga, who um, has a sheep dairy, and she's making Bath-style sheep's milk cheese. And, you know, Winchester and oh gosh, I you know this puts me on the spot because I don't want to forget anybody. We have so <laughs> many great, <laughs> so many great cheesemakers here in California. Um, well, if somebody really wanted, lucky. if somebody wanted to learn more about California cheeses, is there any website that's kind of like um, uh, you know ch- uh, an artisan cheese guild or anything like that where people could learn about the producers and get some more information or? Um, Funny you should mention that, but we do have a California Cheese Guild, and um, it has a website, and all the producers are mentioned. Uh, all the well, most of the producers, because not everybody's a member, um, but lots of, of producers are mentioned on the website, and um, I I think it's called. CaliforniaCheeseGuild.org. Um, Okay, okay. So CaliforniaCheeseGuild.org, or if you Google California Cheese Guild. Um, yeah, if you just search it, you should find the website. But it's it's a pretty good website. And also, Cowgirl Creamery is an awesome resource for anyone who wants to uh, learn more about these cheeses. And, um, and a very cute website to boot. I really, really like the sort of <laughs> the hand-drawn quality of your website. It's very cool. Well, we do have a, a, a part of on our, on our website that's called the Library of Cheese, and um, we try and outline the different producers that we work with and um, where they make it and what type of cheese and pasteurized, non-pasteurized, those kind of things are mentioned. Oh, that is, that's fantastic. That is absolutely yeah. fantastic. So is it cowgirlcreamery.com where people can? It is, yes. Okay. Yeah. And actually, the super speedy um, and talented producers here, they just got the uh, web address um, for the Cheese Guild, and it's cacheeseguild.org. So, oh, great. Thanks. Oh, sure. yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm impressed. I was like, wait, what, are, what is on this piece of paper? <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, unfortunately, we have run out of time for the day, but I so, so appreciate you taking the time out of your Sunday to, to chat with us about the state of cheese in California and about how you started your business. It's um, been absolutely lovely chatting with you. No, thanks. And I'm just, you know what? I couldn't be de- more delighted that there's a show on the radio about cheese. <laughs> well, it's on the internet radio. It's on heritageradionetwork.com. Um, but yeah. yeah, we're going to hopefully log uh, another 51 shows of all the other states and what's going on with cheese across the country. Did we gain a few states? 
Did we... 50... <laughs> oh, Patrick said 52. He's messing with me. He was talking about Puerto Rico and... and <laughs> Maybe the, there's cheese there, too. <laughs> there is. All right. Well, thank you for having me, and um, it's great to talk to both of you. Thank you so much, and uh, we'll see you next Sunday on Cutting the Curd. Bye. Bye-bye.